Welcome to Farmer Talk Radio. This podcast features a keynote fireside discussion with Elena Lovo, Executive Director, Healthcare Investment Banking at JP Morgan from the 2023 Chief Medical Officer Summit 360. For more information on the CMO Summit, editorials, podcasts, or webcasts, please visit cmo360.org. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Okay, thank you for, for joining us. Um, why don't we start with, if you could just broadly speak to us um, about how you think about the role of the chief medical officer in financing. Yeah. Um, and before doing that, let me just thank everyone um, for being here and to the organizer for inviting me and to the previous keynote speaker for setting the bar pretty high about content and delivery as well. Um, but equally, I think in those two discussions, um, as Narissa just said, there were some very interesting pointers for our conversation right now as well. Um, so I might go into that here and there and pick up some points um, for which hopefully I've made the right, the right notes in the last hour or so. Um, so I think, first of all, we have all heard how increasingly difficult um, the development of a drug is. And of course, I don't need to tell you that. You know this a lot better than me, if, in fact. Um, and how the ROI is going down for companies and investors, and how the probability of success of reaching uh, market approval is decreasing. Um, in this context, therefore, the role of uh, the chief medical officer and their interaction with investors is becoming increasingly more important. Just not to put any pressure on you at all, <laughs> but just to be, you know, given to, to the people who own the content and the knowledge what should be, um, it should be, should be to them. Um, so the, the role of the CMO is, is, is what, um, in my experience at least, and, and please do um, keep in mind that this is, this is all based on experience and there's no absolute truth um, in general. Um, the person who really has a very deep understanding of the patients, of the indication of the standard of care, of what clinically the drug could mean to patients and what the you know, end point that we want to achieve and what we want to bring to patients is, that is that is what the CMO owns and is a guardian of uh, and is the repository of all this knowledge as well. Um, I don't want to take anything away from the CEO role in any shape or form, of course, but when it comes to thinking about digging deep into what it is the company is looking to achieve from a very scientific and data-driven perspective, um, that is, in my view, what the huge and incredibly helpful um, participation and, and uh, um, an added value of the CMO is in interaction with investors. And this doesn't take anything away from your day-to-day -day job, which is even more important than that, of course. Great. Thank you for that. And as you think about when does the CMO need to be at the table for these conversations? Is there a specific phase of the company or stage of the company where you really want the CMO there versus 
the CSO or a much broader team or a smaller, more focused team? Yeah, yeah, good point. So two points to this. One is it clearly depends which stage the company is at. If we are talking about a very early stage uh, preclinical company, um, we are probably quite well aware that the chief scientific officer will have a bigger role at the table, whatever the table is. Um, clearly, as the company has products that start entering to the clinical trial, get, get into the clinical phase, um, that is when the role becomes more and more relevant. And of course, it becomes really paramount when there is data that you want to talk about and discuss with investors. Um, so again, there is no absolute truth here, <clears throat> but, but certainly it does depend, one, on the stage of the, date of, the, of the company, and two, the second thing is, of course, it depends on the type of interaction with investors. Um, and I would say also on the type of investors in particular. Um, as you all know, there are some initial interaction with investors, in initial chats, um, maybe, you know, 45 minutes uh, quick, sort of speed dating, introduction of the company, um, that is more typically led by CEO and maybe the CFO. Um, but certainly when is the time and when is the moment when you have full attention from your investor group, uh, and particularly if we're talking about biotech specialists who are very, very detailed in their questions, that is a very good time for the CMO to be on the table. And in fact, I would encourage you to have the discussion with your broader management colleagues and uh, with the CEO if that's not something that has been even discussed. Um, again, why, why is that important? It's important because one, it shows, it, it, it shows the broader alignment of the team. Um, it enables more than one voice to come to the table. Um, and equally, it shows that there is a real participation from everyone in the management team to exactly where the company is going. Thanks. I think that's really helpful. It really speaks to that tailoring of your decision making. So the CEO or maybe the CFO who's really coordinating these conversations, being thoughtful about not always having the whole team at the table, utilizing the team's time efficiently, right? Um, and making sure that if you're at the table, there is a role to play and, and something to say. Yes, yeah, I, <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. Um, there is, I've seen in a couple of occasions, a very big team around the table, um, and then in reality, maybe just one or two people talking. Um, I mean, in the Zoom world, in all fairness, it is okay. It is totally fine to have more people sit around the table. Um, it is, in reality, a moment of learning for everyone else in the team as well, because you can see the interactions that you might not be able to see on a daily basis. And so sitting in some of these meetings, if they are on Zoom, and it's not a big issue for anyone, why not? Um, equally, if there are a lot of people to play tag team with probably 10 different people, it's complicated, because the investor is gonna lose focus a little bit. So I would say, unless this is a two hour, three hour, very long and in detail uh, presentation of the company and the data, probably four people around, um, 
around the table speaking. It's sort of the optimal number for an hour discussion. Great, very helpful. Um, I'm interested in your take. Do you think we will go back to more in-person meetings or do you think Zoom is here to stay or whatever platform people use? Yes, it's, um, it's an interesting question. Um, my personal, but this is totally personal, preference is always in person, in all fairness. I think there is nothing that can, you know, take the place of looking each other in the eyes, understanding the body language, um, which I know a lot of people talk about body language and it sounds like, oh, what is this body language? No, it's actually really important. Um, and really see the reactions of what people might say or not say even. Uh, understand the silences, um, understand the interaction between people in the same team, be it on your side or on the investor side. So I think there is no, there is no way we can have any of that on Zoom. But going back to what we just saw about <clears throat> about half an hour ago or an hour ago on the on on the slides, um, the cost of developing drugs is going up. The return on investment is going down. Um, clearly, right now, capital market situation isn't great, and you'll hear a lot more by, by one of my colleagues tomorrow. Um, so, you know, the use of Zoom is very handy. It's also very handy to save people's time and not have them travel around the world. So I think Zoom is here to stay, in all fairness, because of these other interactions. But I. I always encourage my clients to try and, in a selective way that is efficient and that works, still establish those human connections because we all definitely went through the lockdown period and we all did get things done and we got them done well and very efficiently on Zoom when we all had no options and no alternatives. But hopefully that isn't the norm and we're going back as you can see here, and this is great, to, to the place where we interact as what we are, which is really social animals. So true, yeah. So as you're working with a company as the banker, you're clearly assessing the team, you're assessing our slide decks, presentations, materials, but you're assessing the chief medical officer, the chief scientific officer. So I wonder if you can give us insights into what are the things that you like to see from a chief medical officer, and then we'll flip it around and you can tell us the things you prefer not to see <laughs> or would, would rather us not show up with. Okay. Um, that sounds really scary that I assess everything. I mean, yes, of course. We all, we all form views about what we hear and what we see in every possible context. And so, of course, we do too. Um, so, there's, yes, there's typically, of course, uh, a number of interactions that we have with, with the companies, um, preparation for investor meetings, even general discussions about the strategy of the company and where things are. And then, of course, there is a very formal sort of company introduction and company presentation in the context of an IPO preparation. Um, what are the things that we like to see? I think in general, the one thing that is very important is the way 
people communicate clearly. Um, I'm not really discovering hot water here. Um, and sometimes you will find that, of course, the way you communicate, the way you put the message forward, the words you use um, is very related to the job you're doing. In fact, not sometimes, most of the times. So if your job has been so far that of directing, guiding, leading, you'll have a one style of communication. If your job so far has been that of thinking about the patients, thinking about the, the, the trial design, thinking about the data, the analysis, and, and something else, your, your style might be different. Um, but in reality, when you are interacting with investors, there is effectively a need to sort of dial down that style and dial it to be in line with what they are going to engage with. And so what I would love, to, what, I, what I really like to say, to see is, um, you know, the CMO that is able to get for a second outside of that very, very technical role uh, in terms of communication. Um, the knowledge doesn't need to go away. In fact, it shouldn't really go away at all. The knowledge, the knowledge is there and what is what investors want and look for. But the way to communicate should be such that it is adapted for the, the audience. And in this case, what is an investor looking for typically? Clarity, probably brevity, um, and then certainly relevance of the content. Um, and so, so that makes, you know, that makes the most of what really makes a difference in reality. That is the 80% because we all know that you all know exactly what you're going to say. Um, and the other thing that is really important is to make sure that the CMO is aligned with the rest of the team on what the message is, what the direction of travel is, what the context of everything is and what we're getting out of this interaction with whoever's in front of you. Uh, in this case, again, the investors probably. Sorry, that was a very long answer. No, it's great. I think it, it's really getting to the heart of a couple of things. Y you know, knowing who is across the table from you, that's part of the preparation, right? Because every investor is not the same, and so how deep the chief medical officer actually goes will be driven by the type of investor across the table. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, and the time, of course, as well, right? Um, so one of the things I have seen a few times, so now going to your, what do you not want to see, um, is, is an example when there is a question from an investor and it is actually very relevant and very interesting questions and it's very technical in nature. And then you have this, you know, huge flow of words and explanation and a lot of detail and a super long-winded answer that effectively takes up a lot of time and then sort of impedes additional questions or, or, or sort of stalls the conversation a little bit. Um, so again, back to the point, that is probably not ideal unless you think that that is really the key question and that will help drive the whole understanding and the motivation from the investor perspective, I think. I think what is important is, again, relevance, privacy, and clarity, right? So um, when you have, when there is a question, 
and you'll understand if, if, if it's a question that needs a very detailed answer. Um, try and still think about how to deliver the message in a way that is com commiserated with the time that you have and the context and, and the investor type. That's really helpful. So it's not, you're not just there to have a very interesting technical or scientific conversation. There's really a very different goal, right? Well, you know, um, you are there to have a very, you, you know, the first thing is what are you doing? Why are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? Um, the first three things, in fact. And then, but then there is storytelling always in whatever we do, right? Um, and storytelling doesn't mean that you need to see, say something that isn't true in any shape or form. Absolutely not, please, especially not in this world. If we were talking about maybe another industry, I don't know, but certainly not this industry, please. Um, but there is always a bit of storytelling. And so it's important to keep that in mind um, at any point and to again, to sort of do little little changes to the way you communicate things um, so that they come across in a way that is understandable and acceptable. Great. It's making me think about um, the, the chemistry between the team and things like, what are the working rules? So is the CEO the quarterback and putting the questions to each of the people at the table or is the expectation that whoever feels like they know the answer should jump in? H how do you counsel teams? Another very good question. So we usually counsel teams to have a prepared um, choreography of, of, the, of the presentation. So that can totally be the CEO <clears throat> calling into people. This, this, we're going to go into the data now. We're going to present you the swimmer's plot, and our CMO is going to do that because he's the best person to do that, of course. Um, but so it, the best thing is always to be prepared because when you are not, when you don't have a plan, and then things change from what you were expecting, then you have a few moments when you are like, okay, what am I doing next? And everything might, 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 might go the wrong way. But, but in reality, it really depends on the team. Um, I, in fact, I could turn the question to you. What have you experienced? I don't, there is no, this is the rule for everyone. It really depends on the team. It depends on who sits on the team. Um, do you have a CMO, a CEO, a CSO, a CFO, a CEO? maybe an IR person, maybe the team is very small, maybe it's much bigger. It depends a little bit. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think different CEOs have their preferences, different IR um, folks have their preferences. So some of that is the flexibility of every person to be able to adapt and morph to the various team that, that you're on. So we'll leave a few minutes for questions, but um, before we, we turn to questions from the audience, you're based in the UK, and I just wonder if you have uh, any pearls for our audience of how we, from, I mean, the vast majority of us from our poll earlier today are US-based CMOs. So anything that we should know or understand about differences with investors ex-US or should we see them as 
all one and the same? Yeah, um, I would say, first of all, you probably in the US don't see a huge amount of European um, investors coming straight here. There are definitely some. Um, the way they interact is exactly the same. Um, the, and I'm, I'm not an investor, so I shouldn't be speaking for the investor community, and in fact, I'm not doing that. I'll, my, my, my observation from where I sit is it's a, it's, a, it's a world where we're all the same in reality, right? It's a global world. And um, the, the way to interact with investors should be exactly the same, um, be it, you know, whether it's a European investor or a US investor. Now, the likelihood for you sitting here that you're going to be interacting with a European investor a lot is probably not, not, not very high. Um, but equally for the for the ones of you in the in the audience here who are from Europe, um, you, you, your interaction with with U.S. investors and with your more local um, investors should be exactly the same. Um, you'll see there's a lot more of those in the U.S. certainly compared to Europe. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But in reality, there is no difference. Wonderful, really helpful. Um, let me turn it to our audience and, and please ask, ask the questions that are really on your mind, right? Hi, uh, my name is Ifia Sunko, Chief Patient Officer at Nova Nordisk Rare Disease and wonderful, wonderful conversation. So as a physician, one of the things we struggle the most with is breaking down complex information to our audience. And so you said that that's what we should do, but the question is how? And do you have recommendations for all of us here on how do we take scientific knowledge that is very complex and break it down in a way that is not condescending to our investors? Thank you, amazing question. Um, and, and, and by the way, for context, I used to be a scientist too, although that was such a long time ago that I clearly cannot remember any of it anymore. Um, so I totally understand the point here. Um, in all fairness, everything is different, even just the language, the words you use, right, are, are very different. Um, so I think the, the easiest way is to, to think about what do you want to communicate, one. And, and that's sort of the bottom line of all your studies. And then what is it that makes it important? You know, wh why is that data set uh, or that data readout really important? And then the other thing I would suggest to think about is what are the, you know, what are the things that might come up from as relatively smart investors, all of which, by the way, are in this sector, that, you know, might throw you off your feet and therefore you want to think about it before and maybe already communicate around it. Um, I think these are probably some of the things, but I'm sure there's, there's a lot more to think about it that we should. I'm happy to think about that together later maybe as well. Hi, Richard Colvin from Bluebird Bio. 
I have a follow-up question because I agree that's an amazing question. The follow-up though is it's hard enough to communicate the complexity, but what about even probably more important to an investor is a nuance. That because it's it's complex, but it's also there's it's a lot of gray areas that may not necessarily be black and white, which seems like investors want a lot of. Okay, we're getting into a lot of detail here. Um, I love this conversation. What do you do with the gray areas? Um, I think it depends a lot on what what the gray areas here are in reality. Um, there is probably first of all, a sort of an internal rehearsal that should be helpful to, um, to everyone with in, in this context. Um, and then I would say, when you think about the gray areas, what is really that is gray? Is it that the data isn't quite conclusive and therefore you might need more? Or is it the data needs more interpretation, more analysis, maybe a subset analysis? Um, or is it that this data is great, but we know a competitor is going to release some data in three months, and therefore we do not know how this will compare with that by the time that data is out? Um, and I know this is probably not a very straight answer to your question, I'm sorry about that, but it's just, it depends on a lot of things, I think. And the first point should be the internal discussion with the team, uh, and then hopefully, this is actually one of the things where some of your advisors, be it the IR communication team, be it the bankers, if, if there are bankers around, uh, or be any of the other external advisors can help because they'll give you the external perspective or what they feel would be important. Wonderful. Well, Elena, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have the conversation with you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the CMO Summit 360, editorials, podcasts, or webcasts, please visit cmo360.org. Thanks for listening.